so let me um, let me start uh, just with you can open your Bibles uh, to Romans uh, 12 and just leave them open there for a moment. I'm just going to do a little bit of work to give us uh, some context and just to establish a bit of a base, and then we'll we'll move forward from there. So uh, Romans 12:9, you can open your Bibles to that. Uh, but just let me let me contextualize this morning a little bit for you. So over the past uh, six weeks, uh, or five of the last six weeks, we've been in a series uh, called uh, Restoring True Humanity, uh, God's Work in Ours. And that has been for the, the church a, a series on our core values and, and based around our mission statement, which is Restoring True Humanity. That's the mission of the project. That's what we're out uh, to do is restore true humanity. So that, the last uh, five uh, weeks has been unpacking that, unpacking uh, our, our anthropology, what it means to be human and what it means to be a human a society. And, and my efforts this morning uh, will be to ground that uh, and that, uh, the last uh, number of weeks, to ground that in God's call to the Christian to grow. So what I think where we are now is we have this rich, a framework, a really, a really uh, very, very rich, uh, powerful framework of who we were made to be and the tensions that we live in and, and God's identity for us and God's plan for us. Uh, but the question I guess I, I want to look at uh, coming out of that is how are we, what should our growth look like? How should we grow uh, to become a true human? You know, as you consider uh, the, the realities of a true human, how should we actually grow uh, toward that, and I want to um, I want to suggest it's uh, it's done by uh, obedience in faith. A very simple, uh, but I think I think really quite crucial. And so this morning we're going to look at obedience and, and the nature of obedience in faith, growing to be a true human. So uh, let me uh, let me just uh, start uh, the discussion by asking the question: What what causes growth in the heart of the Christian? Or what should cause growth? What should be the motivator for growth and change in the Christian? What is it? What is the thing? What, what drives growth? What is the engine room for growth? What compels change? Because I think a lot of the time we actually we operate from the wrong thing, from the wrong motive, from the wrong uh, engine room as a Christian when we look at growing and I'll just give you the answer because I think it's really clear. The engine room for change is the gospel. The good news of the person and the work of Jesus is the hinge upon which all change, all lasting change occurs. Nothing else is going to substantiate lasting change. Like there's no other motive that's actually going to last when you look at growing and, and changing, you know, because the, the way the gospel works is you see Christ and you're compelled, right? Like you see grace and you're compelled and the, it just becomes this responding uh, effect. You know, why else would I want to change my sinful habits? And, and why would I want to image God more fully? Why would I want to be more truly human? Because I see Christ and my heart is overcome, my King my Savior, my Lord, grace grips the heart of the Christian and they are compelled to respond. Let me, um, I, it's, I think it's really important that I'm really clear about this because I think we get it wrong. And let me give you a few other um, motives that may 
uh, occur or that may, that may exist in our heart that actually need to change. Fear of man. I think, I think that's a, a motive that drives change. It's actually a, 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 a wrong motive. You know, fear of man is, I want to change. I'm going to change because I'm afraid of what others might think of me. So I'll, I'll just conform to their expectations, right? Like this could be, this could be a fear of a spouse's judgment. So I'm going to change my, I'm going to change myself and I'm going to grow because I'm afraid of their judgment. There's this fear of man that's actually becoming the driver for change. And that's not going to last, right? Like that is not going to create lasting change or lasting growth in the Christian. The second one I'd say could be pride. Like this, is, this is kind of like I want to change so that people see me in a certain way. It's kind of like this, this is reputation management, like if you know anything about marketing, this is just, I'm just maintaining my reputation. Like I'm just doing what I need to do to keep up, uh, my, keep up appearances, keep up the way people view me. And that's not a great motivator. The third thing could be moral obligation. I want to change, I want to grow because I should do the right thing, otherwise I'll be judged. It's just about morals. It's just about being a good moral person. And again, that's, it looks really good from the outside, but it's not actually going to create lasting change. The fourth one, and, and I'm sure there's more than this, but some of the core ones, and the fourth one is shame. I want to change because I'm ashamed of who I am. Because I, I carry around in my heart shame about who I am, and that actually compels me to change. And I just want to just want to cut those down. Just say that those will not create lasting change in your heart. The gospel, the work of Christ, and viewing the gospel is the engine room for change. That is the driver. You know. So let me let me give you an example. A young man uh, struggling with lust. If he's only responding, if he's only looking to change because he's been caught. And because someone is judging him, that's not going to create lasting change, is it? He's just like, it's just fear of man. I'm just worried that they're going to, they're going to judge me and they're going to, you know, their perceptions of me are going to be bad and I'm going to look like I'm a bad person, so I'm going to change. It's like, what? Well, that's not going to create lasting change, is it? No, no, the gospel is. The gospel is going to come into his heart and help him uh, realize he's a sinner and that he needs God's grace, that he's powerless to help himself, and that it's actually the work of Christ on the cross that gives him the strength to change. You see the difference there? It's the motive. It's the, it's the, the hinge for change. So really important to lay down a foundation for us. When we look at obedience, obedience, isn't, uh, obedience needs to be tethered to the right motivator. What is compelling obedience? The gospel. So to, to shape that a little bit, to summarize that a little bit, as we consider uh, growing to become more fully human or truly human and living in obedience to God's call to us, we're going to look at how that growth actually happens. How does that growth happen? And I've suggested that it happens through obedience in faith. That's how growth happens for us. Let me unpack uh, the dynamics that I think are at play uh, in that 
uh, in that uh, movement, obedience in faith. So let me start just by saying, I think, I think a person can please God. Like it's, it's a person's actions, uh, the things that a person does can please God. I think uh, sometimes we're a little one-sided uh, because we hear uh, Isaiah that says, all of our righteousness is but filthy rags. And we're just kind of like, well, it's like everything that I do doesn't really matter because it's just, it's a filthy rags. It's like, well, so why would I do anything? Romans has, has a, looks at a different angle and it actually says that you can offer a sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God. It's pleasing. You can, you can make a phone call that is pleasing to God. You know, you can talk to someone in a manner that pleases God. You can buy something that pleases God. So you can do things that pleases God. Your obedience pleases God. Let me start unpacking obedience and faith by looking at the process uh, for growth and, and the, just reinforcing some of what I've said uh, already. So Exodus, uh, the story of the Exodus uh, is the Israelites being released from Egypt. Um, they, are, they are freed. Uh, from, you know, God delivers them from the, the hand of uh, Pharaoh and brings them out. Uh, and I'm just going to read you a small section from Exodus, Exodus 19 where they arrive at Mount Sinai. So they've only been out uh, for a couple of months. Um, and uh, they've come to Mount Sinai and they've kind of had a, made a pit stop. And Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God. And this is where God... Uh, delivers to them uh, the law and, and the way they should live uh, as his people. Uh, let me read you just a couple of verses that actually give for us a, a model or, or a process for growth and how growth happens. Now, I've hinted at it, so I think you should, you should actually see, uh, you should see it uh, come alive here. Exodus 19, uh, 3. There Israel encamped before the mountain. So they've come out of Egypt they're camping at the mountain. And from verse 3, While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you, yourself, sorry, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So look at the, look at the redemptive process there. What does it start with? It starts with, uh, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. What's he saying? I saved you. I redeemed you. I delivered you from uh, Pharaoh. I did the work bore you on eagles' wings. He's, he's saying like, you basically floated out of Egypt. Like you didn't do anything. You didn't do any work to do that. I, it was me. That was my work. That was my redemption. That was my deliverance. So the redemptive process starts with the grace of God through Jesus delivering us. What does he say straight after that? He says, uh, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. So I've saved you. Now, therefore, obey and you'll be blessed. 
So what, what you see is you actually see he, uh, he gives us context for obedience. I think the reason I need to mention this is because a lot of the time we are convinced that it's our obedience that leads to salvation. And we act in a way that communicates that our obedience leads to salvation. And that's not, that's not the way it works. We kind of remove grace and we go, okay, well, if I obey then I'll receive grace. Or if I obey, then I'll receive blessing. And we kind of, it's like, no, 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 no. You just need to just throw in a big whole chunk of grace at the start of that and recognize that uh, obedience doesn't lead to grace, but obedience actually is the fruit of grace. I think that's, it's really important to actually recognize the growth uh, process there. I think, um, I think when we consider obedience in faith, and um, we're going to read Roman, Romans 12 now uh, in a moment, but what we consider when we look at a chunk like uh, Romans 12, there's, I think there's two elements uh, that, that can happen. And uh, we'll, just, we'll read it first and then we'll, uh, we'll look at those two elements. So Romans 12 uh, verse 9 says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So what, like, you know, the picture we get here from Paul is uh, this picture of the true human, right? Like, just... Living as they should, loving God, loving people, loving genuinely, serving the Lord, patient in trials, a human living as they were made to. And again, the question for us is how do we actually grow toward that? You know, in light of this framework of what it means to be a true human, how do we move toward that? And I, again, I'll say it again, I think it's obedience in faith. The obstacle is I think sometimes we separate them and I think this is what can happen for us in Christian growth is we, uh, we operate in only faith or we operate in only obedience. Let me explain that a little bit. With only obedience, it can look like works righteousness. Can't it? Like I've already, already mentioned it, but it can look like if I do this, I'll be saved and I'll be blessed. Like if I just do these things that are required of me, if I simply just love genuinely and abhor evil and serve the Lord, like we're good, like I'll be saved. And, and what, I don't know, like I think, uh, I think what happens on this side uh, in our lives is that it becomes more about fulfilling our obligations than it does about the relationship. Like have you seen this? Like where it's like this is the couple who kind of relates contractually rather than covenantally it's kind of like it's more about me just fulfilling my obligations to you and then things should work right like things should just kind of work it's like well i think you've lost sight it's like it's just duty it's just commitment and it's like there's no relationship it's like that's really good it's really good that you're committed but i think you're actually missing the core of that and i think what what happens is uh obedience needs to be tethered to faith. It needs to stem from faith. It needs to stem from covenantal relationship. You know, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and my heart is just ready 
and willing to obey. On the other side of this, I think faith or only faith can look like this. Uh, God will change my desires, so I'll do nothing about it. Like I will do nothing. Like we're not partnering. It's just all God. You can just change me. And when it happens, then, you know, then I guess my actions will change. And you're just kind of sitting there waiting for the conviction. You know, you pray about growth and you pray about change, but you do nothing about it. It's kind of like, I really want to grow in faith, but all I do is complain about my current state rather than actually acting and walking in faith. This is like the, you know, this could be a married couple that uh, kind of continues in unresolved conflict and all they're doing is praying about it. So it's a really good thing to pray about it, but what are you actually doing? You know, like, are you talking with people? Like, are you reading stuff? Are you, are you actually taking steps of faith to move forward out of that? Oh, no, we're just waiting for God to change us. That's really good, but like, how are you putting your faith into action? You know, what are you actually doing about that? You know, listen to, listen to Jesus. When he, I was reminded of Jesus when he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, sit and pray about it. No, no, no. He said, gouge it out, right? If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He's like, that is radical obedience. He's like, you are doing something about it. So, I don't know, it needs to be faith needs to express itself in obedience. That's what, um, that's what James says, doesn't he, in, in James 2, where he says, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? He's going, no. Like if, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? You know, it's useless. Like if you are only in faith, it's, like, it's just not going to work for you because you're not actually expressing your faith with your action. So the dynamic again at work here is obedience tethered to faith and faith expressed or fulfilled in obedience. So with this framework in mind, with this picture in mind, we're going to jump uh, back into Romans 12 and just give you a few examples of that uh, relationship of obedience in faith, working together. So seek to show hospitality. Let me give an, an example of faith and obedience in seeking to show hospitality. You know, this is showing hospitality when you don't feel like it. Going out of your way. You know, you're going, well, but life is busy. <laughs> I've got enough on my plate as it is. Like I can barely feed my own family, let alone get someone into a house and show hospitality toward them and, have, and really having to cook and clean and get the house ready. And I just, look, I just don't have time for all that work. Life's too busy as it is. What, so what does faith do? Faith leads me to believe that God will provide for me the strength and the care for others in order to show hospitality. Obedience leads me to actually cross the road, have the conversation, clean the house, cook the meal and clean up after them, right? Like you can see that they actually need to work together. Let me just say on this, hospitality is so needed. We are becoming a very insular culture. You know, I say it all the time, like we don't build front porches anymore, we build back decks. You know, the other, a couple of weeks ago we were, um, we were, me and my wife were celebrating, so we had a, a bottle of wine and, um, you know, you know it's a, a decent bottle of wine when you have an embedded cork, 
we're kind of like, oh, that's, we hadn't, hadn't pulled the seal off. We're like, oh, that's good. And uh, we didn't have a corkscrew. Uh, and uh, it's kind of one of those things, you know, corkscrews, like everyone's got one, right? You just, it's like on the pocket knife or it's on that weird looking can opener thing. It's like, we just didn't have one. Rack the house, nothing. So I was like, all right, this would be a great chance to, um, to run over and meet uh, a neighbor across the road we haven't met yet. So I um, just 5.30, 6 in the, hour, in the evening, uh, just wearing a shirt, like not dressed suspiciously, suspiciously walk over and, uh, and knock on the door and I go, hello, it's, um, it's Matt, uh, is anyone home? And this, this uh, lady uh, behind uh, the door just goes, hello, who's there? I go, oh, it's Matt, um, just your neighbour from across the road, um, probably see me uh, walking up and down the road with a couple of young kids. She's like, yeah, what do you want? It's like, oh, uh, just, yeah, so just come over, just wondering if you've got a corkscrew. Uh, we, we've got a bottle of wine and just trying to open it. We can't actually open it. Um, and she's like, oh, we, um, we don't normally have people come to our door. And this is all behind a closed door, right? Like, this is me standing, talking to the door. She's talking to the other door. It's like, I haven't even seen her face yet. We're just having this conversation. She's like, yeah, we don't normally have people come to the door. Awkward silence. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, did you have a corkscrew? Just, just, what's going on? So anyway, do you have a corkscrew? Okay, so she cracks it, but the chain's still on. Like, chain's on. Like, she just peeks out. So I, get, I can see a third of a face and an eye. And it's just like, like I know I've got a, a, maybe I've got a really weird sounding voice or something, but I don't know, maybe I've just got a permanent frown, but something about me must have just been uh, making her afraid. But she, it's just like, it was just a closed reception. She's like, Did, didn't have a corkscrew, just kind of like, nah, sorry, no, don't have one. That was it. So, okay. All right. So, great. <laughs> Hospitality is so needed, right? Like how, how good would it be for Christians to be full of faith and obedient to God's call to them to show hospitality are just warm and welcoming and inviting and connecting with people and doing the hard work, right? And, and carrying people with hospitality. The house is open. The food is ready. It's like, yeah, this is really hard, but we're obeying God's call to us to be hospitable. I'm just going, that would be really good. To see that more in our church. Second, uh, second example of obedience in faith. Contribute to the needs of the saints. This is giving generously of yourself where you see need. Now, again, straight away, you're just going, ah, like I don't really have any time to do this. I don't have time to help. <laughs> I don't have much money as it is. I've got enough responsibilities. Just, we're just kind of maxed out. Sorry, you know, sorry, can't help you. It's just, you know, what does faith and obedience do for that situation? I think faith leads you to believe that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches, right? And obedience leads you just to, when presented with an opportunity, just to stop and to actually consider it and, to, and where appropriate to give really generously, you know, to give to the neglected, to give to the disadvantaged, to give where there's genuine need. Let me give you another example. Be constant in prayer. This is a consistent prayer and fellowship with your Heavenly Father. 
Faith, what does faith do? Faith leads you to believe that he is merciful even when you don't see it. That at times you actually believe lies and you need communion with him. You need renewal of your mind. You need for him to actually renew the truth of his word in your mind. And what does obedience do? Obedience leads you to make the decision to actually stop. Just like in the middle of, in the, middle of the day to just stop and just go, I need, I need to pray about this. I need to talk to God. We need to have a conversation. This is really important for me to be constant in prayer with Him. Even in moments where I'm just, I just feel distant or I'm feeling bitter or I'm just feeling all kinds of stuff, for me to just, no, no, stop. Just, just quiet for a sec. I'm just going to talk to God. You know, I, was, um, I was meeting with a, a student here at the school a couple of weeks ago and uh, he was going through a, a difficult time with his family and uh, he just randomly came up to the office uh, just because he needed someone to talk to about it. He said, I just need someone to process this with. And uh, that's, that's a, we met and, and we talked about it. It's a really good thing that we met. But one of the first things I encouraged him with was, uh, you know, have you, have you talked to God about it? You know, like, have you, does God know any of this? You know, li- life, is, life is hard. <laughs> life is, you know, we walk through a broken world. We suffer, we sin, and, and things aren't the way they should be. What better relationship could we have than the merciful, compassionate Redeemer who stoops low to come near to us? You know, what richer relationship could you have than that? For some reason, we just forget to include Him in those conversations, right? Like, we just we throw up a prayer at the start of the day and we'll throw up a prayer for food. But the rest of the day, it's just like a, just a, the phone's just quiet. And God's just waiting. It's like, what's going on, man? Just nothing. It's like, you're just walking through trouble and all, all kinds of stuff's going down. And he's like, I'm just waiting to have a chat with you. Be constant in prayer. The last example is be patient in tribulation. Diligently enduring trials. Being patient for God's work and God's leading through trials. So faith and obedience, what do these two things do? Faith leads you to believe that God is with you in the middle of tribulation and that he is working for your good. It's a really rich promise. Obedience leads you to, to be patient, right? What does patience look like? It might mean sometimes just kind of stopping the attitude, right? And just kind of you know, asking God to remove the bitterness, quieting yourself a little bit like you just might need to stop whining a little bit to other people and just turn to God just like you might just need to take that to God and just be patient with God in the middle of that and obedience leads you just to kind of like all right Matt just zip it like just quiet yourself and go to God and be patient in tribulation now we could just keep going through all of these but I just hope that you're seeing the connection there I think that's sufficient to illustrate faith obedience obedience faith the way they uh, interact together to cause the christian to grow let me let me sum the thought up here with um with roman uh, sorry hebrews 12 oh sorry hebrews 11 that's the the chapter on heroes of the faith uh the 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 people the, the godly people from the old testament that were full of faith and uh and are acknowledged here in hebrews and and what you actually see uh, in this chapter, is 
they're noted or they're remembered because they did something, right? Like it's not just they had faith, but the, the author here says by faith they did something. By faith they acted. By faith they left their country. By faith they did. It's like they obeyed, right? Like listen to, listen to by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. They're doing things. He's actually doing something. Their faith is expressed in their obedience. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea, right? Like they weren't rewarded for faith because they just stood there and just like had faith that God would deliver them. No, no, no. They took the step and then they took another step and they took another step and they actually obeyed God's call to them. So obedience expresses and proves your faith. People can't see your faith. People cannot see the things you believe. But people can see your actions. It's not until you begin to obey God and they see it in your relationships and your attitude and your character and and your service and your time and your words. That's where they see your faith, right? Like if that is how people see your faith and is that, that's how they gauge your faith. What are your actions saying about your faith right now? Like what, what, is, what are your actions in the past week saying about your faith in God? Like is it revealing that you don't actually trust Him very much? <laughs> that you'd rather take things into your own hands? Or is it revealing that you, you're actively obeying Him in faith, that He's working powerfully? Let me, um, let me finish with, uh, with this point because I said this would be shorter. I think um, what, where we arrive in light of this is, is, you know, what do we do when we don't have the desire to obey? You know, when we, we're in the moment of God's call to live in obedience and we're hearing it and we're reading Romans 12.9 and these, these rich commands for the Christian Live like this. This is what a follower of Christ lives like. This is what life should look like. And you're going, that's all well and good, but I just don't have it in me. I just feel powerless. right? I, I just can't do that. I don't feel like I can sustain that. It's pretty simple, but that's faith, isn't it? That's faith. Like I can't actually see how this is going to happen. I can't actually see in me the strength to live like that. And that's faith is I don't have I don't necessarily have the desires for this. I don't have the strength for this. I'm not seeing a way forward, but faith is actually acting in a way that reveals our faith in God's work. So it's it's like it's like going, I don't feel like I can abhor evil, but I'm just gonna do it anyway. Right? Like I don't feel like I could be patient in tribulation, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And what actually happens is uh, your feelings follow your obedience. I think Pete actually did a video on this a couple of weeks ago, how your feelings kind of submit to your obedience. It's like, don't just follow your feelings because they're just going to lead you down the wrong path, but your, your feelings actually follow your obedience. Your faith is just going, I don't feel like I can do this. I don't feel like I've got the strength for this. I'm going to do it anyway and have faith that God's going to work powerfully through that. At the start of um, Romans 12 gives us the, the beautiful picture. And let me remind us with this in closing is that 
Obedience in faith begins with seeing grace. Listen to the start of Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. See and respond. See and respond. See and respond. Like It can't work any other way, right? By the mercies of God. See the mercies of God. Gaze at the mercies of God and then respond. See and then respond. So in moments of doubt, in moments of trial, in moments of powerlessness, just gaze at the mercy of God. Set your eyes on the mercy of God. Call to mind God's mercies. It will cultivate in you faith as you remember his work. Christ was the only one who was perfectly obedient. We read Philippians 2 and close with a prayer. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of servant, being, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what, what's he saying? He's saying, he starts off saying, look to the interests of others. So saying, <laughs> obey, right? Obey the call of God. Here's a really good thing for you to do. How? Straight away. By reminding yourself of Jesus' obedience. Set your minds, right? Like remind yourself, have this mind among yourself, renew your mind in the truth of Jesus' obedience. Jesus was the only one who could be perfectly obedient because we couldn't do it. So look, in your obedience, look to the mercy of God in Christ. The marks of a true Christian, you know, those marks in Romans 12, they are the fruit of a relationship with Christ, of covenantal relationship of walking together and growing and maturing in love and faith. Let me pray that that might be our experience. Lord, we long to uh, grow. We long to uh, become more truly human. And and this morning, we just ask that... uh, You'd remind us that our growth be done well, that our growth be done diligently, that our growth be done uh, faithfully. And we want to um, just remember that our obedience, our, our action, our walking towards that uh, comes from gazing upon your mercy, from seeing Christ, from seeing his work and being transformed and being renewed in that. So I ask that as we... Um, as we consider more and more what it means to be a true human and what it means to live like a true human, that uh, we don't just default to duty and obligation and responsibility, but that, that we default to relationship with God and obedience that flows from uh, 
just covenantal relationship with you and seeing your mercies and responding to that. So help us to see. Help us to see your mercies, Father. Amen.